spoiler alert, all the dragons are dead. The eels killed them. Welcome back to another edition of the Para Podcast. This week I am joined by Bertie. Hey, how's it going? Forty. Ahoy, hoy. Ham. Howdy. And your host, Hamish. Um, uh, just before we go into it, can we do it reverse order next week? Oh, shit. That's too much for my, my oh, small oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I can count from one to ten, but I can't count from ten to one. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've got uh, a review of the um, reserve grades, um, including the biggest scoreline I have ever seen in a Shield match um, coming against the Guildford Owls, um, but also a recap of the Eels come from behind win against the Dragons and then jumping into the preview for the upcoming round, uh, which is, of course, up at Brisbane for Magic Round, but also at Leichhardt for the flag for their Magic Round. Um, so let's jump start in. Um, I'm just going to go through the results in the New South Wales junior reps that play their grand finals over the weekend so we can sort of see where our uh, teams finished up and who uh, ended up being uh, the victors in those grades. So in the Tasha Gales, the Steelers who knocked our women's team out came um, out victors 24 to 12 over the Knights. Um, So I don't know if that makes anybody feel better that the eventual winners were the teams that knocked us out. (laughs) I think it always does. Like especially, you know, 2017 in the... And our real grand finals, the two teams that we played that played in the grand final. So it, it, helped it makes the, me feel better. It, help, it helps the team get a measure of where they're at to and where they need to be in regards to going that extra step or two. So, yeah, I think it's a nice small slice of closure for their season. Then in Harold Matthews, of which we didn't make the finals, but the eventual winners, the Newcastle Knights, 28 to the Dogs, 8. Um, Newcastle Knights usually always field pretty uh, competitive teams in these grades. Um, so any... Was that a surprise for anybody there? No. Nah, they were the best team by far and away. Easily, yeah. And then in the SG ball, we all had Manly written off and and Manly had it won 23-22 going up by a field goal. Um, Mm. But the Steelers weren't having it and went and scored two converted tries afterwards. Um, So Steelers Steelers (laughs) taking out that competition 34-23. Again, Steelers were the team that knocked us out in the uh, grand final qualifier. Yeah, that one was very surprising. You know, I, you, I saw that I looked at the two teams. I just thought Manly really play to like the juniors. They've got Josh Schuster, who's an absolute freak, just a huge kid, but with great hands and everything, playing in the halves. Him running out that wide, you know, you think that'd be too difficult to handle, but good, good on the Steelers. Any given day, me. baby. Yeah, anyone but Manly, so um, can't complain too much about that result. The real winners were the competition this year. (laughs) Um, The real real winner was the friends we made along the way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's not about the destination, it's about the journey, guys. Um, Now, we have been um, screwing you guys around or at least not putting the uh, women's premiership uh, where it should be um, on our tip sheet. Um, I can say that that was my error. I thought that the Women's Premiership was referring to the women's competition that kicks off later in the season regarding the top-line teams. But there is also a New South Wales competition, and I don't know how I messed this up because we followed every game last year. Um, But in any event, they're also up to their – well into their season. And Wentworthville got a win 22 over Cabramatta 20 uh, over the weekend, which is probably a bit surprising given Cabramatta are usually pretty good in this grade. So um, 
will be better at actually following that competition uh, from here on out. And again, I apologise for not putting it in there because um, that was my error. I'm not quite, quite sure where my head was at. Um, but just on that competition, the Wentworthville Magpies, two wins, two losses. Um, so uh, running all right. Um, and as better I said, than last year. I think they were dead last last year, only winning one or two games right at the end, weren't well, they? We were pretty bad. Wait, the the girls? That, that's correct. They actually didn't win a game no, last they, year. They, so. yeah, they've got hammered. They're doing a lot better again. So, yeah, once again, you're seeing that year-to-year improvement in the programs. And then uh, we go into that odd scoreline I started before. Hawks, 76 to the Guildford Hour, 6. Couldn't even um, beat the clock. Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what went there, uh, went on there. But then into the Ron Massey Cup, uh, Magpies chalking up the wins again, 32 over Blacktown Workers, 12. And our man the B-dub. with a double. The B-dub. Oh. How good is he? I'll tell you what, he he's, he Hiram, should be playing first grade. The, Cup the, the Dragons should bring him in. They're, they've got a bit of a halves <laughs> crisis at the moment. Get Bo Henry back to the Dragons. <laughs> no, but then we'll miss him. You'll miss him. We won't be able to talk about him. You know, if you love something and you let it go. <laughs> <laughs> it's better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all. Well, you just got to let it spread wings and it might come uh, back. A, a bow in the hand is worth two of the Dragons. I don't know. That didn't quite work. That was a bit flat. <laughs> uh, Fleg. Uh, so our three top grades, all with wins. Hey, first time this um, year. Eels, 22. Dragons, 10. Uh, Tri-scorers, Tuamala, Taipari, Shelford, and Schneider. Um, the hooker chalking up a try. His um, first try since Harold Matthews. There you are. And, and were you out there for this one, Ham? Yeah, I was for this one. It was good. Out of Cabramatta. Been a bit moved around lately, but finally got oh second second week in a row. So fingers crossed for a third week. But no, this was a a, a good game from the Eels. Um, you'll see the if you go onto the NewSouthWales.com website, you'll see uh, what I what I what I thought was that when we held the ball, we were by far the better, much so much better team, but. We were just dropping the ball too much. We invited the Dragons back in. They scored two tries um, down our right side, which is was the um, new fair GM, Solomoni Naiduki. So, um, well, he's not the new one. He's the old one now. Oh, he's the old new one, Joey. So, yeah. Um, God, that's right. I can't, I can't pronounce the other one's name. JP. <laughs> JP. 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 Yeah. Um, yeah, so Naiduki sort of uh, was caught out a little bit there in defense. You'll see that on the highlights. Um, package, but yeah, overall they just when they held the ball, they looked very dangerous in attack. And um, the dragon, they weren't making many meters. The dragons in um, Parramatta's defensive line, so yeah, good win. Um, I have a tough, tougher next week against probably the best team in the comp at the moment. And it was good to see someone was back this week. Oh, PJ Vigalu made his. Debut for 2019. Um, PJ has been with us since Harold Matthews and has had two years off with ACL injuries. So it was good for him to get on the field. Obviously, David Hollis moving up from SG Ball. Um, yeah, let's hope they can make it three in a row. Well, they won't get a chance to. Oh, no, sorry, they do get a chance they do, to, but yeah. they're coming up against. Yeah, we'll get into that one. Uh, <laughs> Canterbury Cup, uh, for those who got out there early on. Um, Sunday afternoon, you were 
uh, in for a treat with Wentworth Earl Magpies running out 30 uh, point victors over the Dragons 14 and a hat trick to Bevan French, the last try coming right on the final siren from a, it was a scrum play, wasn't it? Yeah, yes. Yeah, I believe it was a scrum set up and, and he broke a tackle and then um, just scored in the corner. Scored in the corner, but he showed a bit of toe as well. Um, other try scorers, the two outside backs that we've um, plugged for the last couple of years, Ethan Parry and Hayes Dunster. Um, Parry, he let in a soft try um, against the Dragons. There was a bit of shirt grabbing, but all in all, you thought it was a good game? Yeah, um, it was a masterclass from Bevan French. You know, It just goes to show why he's too good for this grade, um, like we've seen with a few other first graders when they go back. Um, he's sort of definitely way too good for this grade. He was, I think he had a hand in every single try. He scored three. He set up Parry with a grubber and, yeah, threw a cutout for Hayes Dunster. So, yeah, he had a hand in all three, all five tries. Um, I think he made like 170 metres, made team of the week for um, New South Wales Rugby League. So, yeah, good on him. Um, Ray Stone, I thought, really stiffened up the middle. His hits in defence, you know, I've, you can tell that he was um, had a week in the first grade team because he just dominated that that whole that whole ruck area for the Maggies. And that that glorious image that was captured of the the mullet, oh, the uh, mullet in the blowing. breeze. <laughs> it was a bit more than a breeze, I think, to get that thing moving. Yeah, my, my I was I brought my cousin along, and she said that is the most disgusting thing she ever. <laughs> What did you think of Ethan Parry's one then? Yeah, well, that's what I pointed out Parry's first. And she said, oh, God, that's gross. And then I said, well, look at Stoney over in the middle. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think there's two ways about it. It's either gross or the most glorious thing you've ever seen. Um, anything else? There, there wasn't too much, uh, but for Reese Davies, he's he's got an Eels contract for next year, doesn't he? Or, or he's signed on a d- development contract now. Reese Davies. Yes, I saw that on uh, um... Reese Davies, sorry. Reese Davis. Davis, not Davies. <laughs> until, I change, until I change that profile picture, you've got to start going on Reese Davis. <laughs> Reese Nathan Davies. Yeah, Nathan, Davis. there we go. That's compromise. <laughs> Reese Nathan Davies. Um, yeah, good on him, though. Yeah, good on him. He's, uh, he's stuck out all preseason, and uh, I believe he's down there fairly often down at training. Yeah, so, and he's, he's at every um, NRL game in the um, the official player kit, like the, the tie and suit and whatnot. So he's been in, in uh, that capacity for a while. Still on the Youngs till 23 this year, I believe, as um, St. George Jr. coming through on the Sharks' 20 system. So, yeah, good on him, good defender. Um, I believe it is a development contract. Uh, it wouldn't be top 30. Yeah, so that just means he's he's uh, we're able to pay him sort of what he's been given back to us. All right, then into first grade. So, uh, Eels falling behind 14-0. Um, to start off the game, but coming back 32 to 18 victors with a couple of rare tries in there, and of course one going to the Dragons, which will unfortunately be on highlights reels for till the end of time. Um, but down 14 nil, where was the pea scale at, boys? You know, were you oh. all dry down there, or was it full wet pants? <laughs> I think I was more wet by the end of the by the end of the game than I was at half time. So you weren't peeing your pants down 14 nil. Oh, I was, especially after that second try. I just thought, you know, it was just it was a really good kick from Salmon too. Yeah, that was re- re- like they really let down that kick. That was an outstanding clearing kick. 
he only had, th- I think it was three chases, um, including himself. Yeah. Uh, when you only have three chases there, the middle let him down. Yeah. And then obviously the right side defense just collapsed. Just- yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it was a case of, once again, like with Newcastle last week, I knew that we had the ability to dig ourselves out of that hole, but it was a matter of whether we could hold onto the ball and not be our own worst enemies, you know, fighting our way back. And in this, in this week, uh, we managed to actually keep our composure and we overran that. I know there were some injuries at play for them too, but we were easily the better team in that, you know, back end of the game and they they didn't have a shot of getting close to us. So just on that, try scorers, Reed Marnie, uh, dart from dummy half to get us onto the try scorer tally and then Gutherson splitting the middle. Um, that was laughable defence. Uh, Make a Sivo with a double. Um, so it's only one game this season where we haven't scored a try that we haven't had a double. So I'm still trying to keep your stat alive, <laughs> but I'm struggling. Uh, Ferguson with a try as well. Mitch Moses, four from five and two penalty goals. Um, so start off of the game, that first 25-minute period, a um, bit back and forward. Um, I'm, I wasn't too worried. I thought that we'd gone down there into the field and just hadn't made the most of our our opportunities down there. Um, but then the Ben Hunt, that was a that was a really good kick. And then, as you guys touched on, the the Dufty try, um, amazing team effort from the Dragons. There was about a thousand tackle busts, um, but I thought it was, as you said, really lazy um, kick chase from us. And we've probably been guilty of that a couple of times in the last few weeks, uh, not backing up our kicks. Yeah, the the Ben Hunt try was absolutely undefendable as in not like we did a bad thing, but the way the Dragons executed that with Gufferson being caught in the front line, they just did that perfectly. There was no way you were stopping that try. Uh, on the other hand, the kick chase has definitely been a, a problem of more than one week now. And I know it's a young team. We certain we have some certain growing pains that we have to go through, you know, to, to get the experience under their belt and get the consistency between the two, like the different players shoulder to shoulder. But kick chase isn't just an effort area, and that's nothing to do with experience. So that's something that's got to get drilled into them, I think, because that's really letting us down. What were your other highlights, Bertie? Um, well, I was um, half. Um, what is the word? I was not drunk, but I was I was sick with the Indeed. flu, so I didn't know. What yeah, that's the word. I was um, I don't know. I was worried the first twenty minutes because um, the ease how they scored the try, like the kick, and then obviously the long range try. I was just like, oh, please don't, no, because we don't, we haven't had that much this year in terms of long range tries scored against us, so. But um, the highlight, it's got to be Gufferson running 70 metres untouched. I was like, I didn't want to cheer until literally – I didn't cheer until like the last 20 metres because I was waiting for the fullback to come into the screen. So I was like, shit. And well, then Duffy does defend deep. It's, but it was just like – and then someone said that someone rushed up and I was trying to think, who rushed up? And it was just – it was just um, it's Tyson Frizzle, I think. Yeah, I was, no, it was – um, No, no, sorry. No, sorry. No, sorry. It was the, um, the brother. Yeah, Tarek. Yeah. But – um. They're all uh, honestly. I think the moment of the match, and I, I'm, it was the Fergo because only him with those long limbs can bat it back with his right hand and catch it with his left yeah, hand. You're doing James Bradshaw a disservice. It's long levers. Long, oh, long levers. Long gadget, levers. Man, yeah. But like, it's just only he could do that, you know. And it's just, it was just, a, it was just brilliant, like from him, because like you think he'll bat back and it'll go dead or not dead, so it'll go to the ground. But it just, I don't know. It's just. That was a, I reckon that was a whole other match. And then, yeah, um, that one set that we actually pinned them down to the 20 metres line when we got penalised, that was going to be a big moment until the unfortunate penalty against Tep. But, yeah, it was a um, yeah, I wanna, good game, to be honest. Uh, aside from the um, the Sivo Red Raja try down the left edge too, which was another great moment uh, where he um, 
he swatted away Dufty like a fly. I want to give a shout out to um, young Oregon Kafusi because the Eels came into this game with a really undermanned uh, prop rotation on the bench because Timmy Manor, who's been outstanding as a rotation prop, was um, out with a rolled ankle. And we uh, we brought in Kane, but he only played six minutes, I think. Was it six minutes, four to six minutes, something like that? A game-changing six minutes. Yeah, a game-changing six minutes. It's not about minutes. the length of time. It's about <laughs> the the output. And I have to say, that that is one of world-class performances. <laughs> well, did Steam jump in a dummy half to pick the ball with yeah, one I did, hand? Yeah, I did say that one, yes. But, yeah, um, that, hooker now. That meant that we'll, we'll leveraging a lot of pressure on a young prop's shoulders. And I know he had one error before halftime, and he also got one of the, like, the best Falcons of the season when Moses sort of panicked a little bit. But uh, his stint off the bench was fantastic. Uh, another line break off a, a great run um, angled inside. And uh, he also set up Reed Marnie's try off a really strong carry right to the goal line. So the, the young the young prop had um, started off as a really good defensive prop, and he's starting to come into his own with um, really good late footwork and um, great strength through contact. And that was Over 100 metres in yeah, this game as off, well. Off just eight carries too. So really good midridge per, per run. Forty, you just reminded me there of another ref error, but I won't go into it. I want to talk about Oregon. <laughs> Seriously, everyone around me was saying, oh, how good is this Oregon kid? How good is this Oregon kid? And I was just going, he's only 20. You know, you got, and that's the thing. Like, he's had a good game, and there will be times where he has games like that where he makes 100 metres from eight runs. There will some, be some games where he makes 50 metres from those same eight runs. But to, to show a slow improvement in that, that's massive for a 20-year-old player. He's basically his first year of first grade. And one thing I want to touch on as well is um, we've we've criticised him in the past for his bench use, uh, Brad Arthur, but he seems to have got it exactly right. And we seem to go up a gear as soon as those bench forwards start to rotate on about the 25-minute well, mark. Well, Manu's carving out a great niche in that secondary rotation off the bench, isn't he? He just comes on oh. and kills it. And um, well, that, was about, you know. that was about our best bench prop, as I mentioned before. Tim, uh, you were going to say him? Oh, yeah. Talk about Manu coming on. I think his first run... He stepped through two defenders and then offloaded to Oregon. So, you know, that's if you – the because you see a lot of bench players, they sort of have to warm into the game, and your best bench players are the ones that can go in there that ain't and Manu. do the job straight away. <laughs> he's got one so you gear. Got, <laughs> you got Manu, who's obviously – he just kills it no matter when he's on the field. Timmy Manor, who, um, you know, as much as maligned as he is wherever – you know that he's going to try and get himself involved as quickly and as early as possible and as much as possible. So you know, if you've got those two setting the standard off the bench, then you guys like Oregon come in and uh, have to do the same thing. Ray Stone, when he played, he was doing the same thing. Um, Kane Evans, even though he did only play for six, for six minutes or whatever it was, he took a few hit-ups, made a few tackles. So you know, it really sets... The stand, you need those leaders off the benches as well as having them in your starting team. Um, I'm, I'm falling in love with not Murata, sorry. I've already fallen in love with you. I'm falling <laughs> in love with uh, Oregon. I just, he's, he, have you ever seen him get put on his back or lose ground? No, he, like he's he posted, very he's strong. Yeah, he's very strong. And, and like, as I said in the previous pods, give it a couple more years in the gym. You know, he, he could be up there with what like, we're talking, you know, we talk about like Lolo. Tavita Pangai and like Nelson Osofa Solomona, like in terms of like meterage, he could be up there. And you know, thank God he's a junior essentially because retaining him could be a bit easier as opposed to free agency. So, yeah, I'm just we have to have him in the team. And when Nathan Brown comes back, you know, and obviously Tim Manor when he's healthy, like it's going to be unfortunate someone's going to miss out. But it's a tough, it's a tough decision when everyone. I mean, you hope that everyone's fully fit, but that means that. 
there's a couple of good players looking on the outside in. Another player that we should probably give some um, props to is Jamin Salmon. Uh, we, we sort of mentioned it with his good clearing kick, but he, he's he's not going to be a you know a long-term 5'8", or at least that's not what we still think on a projection basis, but he's growing into the role as Mitchell Moses' offsider quite nicely, and he's um he still has moments where he's not quite sure what he's doing with the ball, but he's looking more comfortable. And I thought that that was easily his best game as a 5'8". This week we found two force line dropouts off his own kick and chase and and a couple of good runs. Yeah, there was a few times there where the ball shifted to his side of the field and I thought if he put his foot down yeah, as soon yeah. as he got the ball, there's a chance he breaks through the line. And I, that's just sort of where that indecisiveness and sort of inexperience in the position um, has him holding back a little bit and sort of looking to his outside players to do something. But yeah, if he, once he gets confident, just as soon as he gets the ball... If he just goes bang, because he's quick enough, he's big enough, he's gonna, you know, get through a few. Um, I think this game will definitely help him, especially with how well he kicked. I know two of his better kicks, um, well, I thought, were the ones where the Dragons scored the freakish try, and then the one where um, Dufty sliced through and got thirty, forty meters. That was a very smart kick because Dufty defends really deep. And the winger hadn't dropped back yet. So he sort of gave Jennings didn't a chance. too hard. Yeah. But he sort of just chipped it over the top to get Dufty to running onto the ball and Jennings to get really attack it. And it was just a shame that um, the defense again let him down there and Dufty got through. Because, you know, even if if you got that timing perfectly there, that sits up just for Jennings. And with Dufty coming hard to chase it, that could have been something. So, you know, really smart game from him. I also wanted to give um, the boys a shout-out in the last <clears throat> five to ten minutes. I thought our defence was really resilient. Um, the Dragons having a couple of line breaks, and especially Michael Jennings uh, in two of those plays down uh, our left side, their right side, making those um, final tackles to, to keep the Dragons out. Um, I thought that was, that was great resilience, especially after last week where I thought our effort in defence was probably a bit lacking. And But for, you know, that freakish Dragons try, um, their two tries were sort of, one was just a really nice kick to Ben we, Hunt after no, isolating Gutho. Sorry. And the, the second one, sorry, was, um, you know, just a, a, a pass out to Ravalawa. And, of course, I, I thought Sibo hesitated on trying to take out Norman just for that split second. And if, if he had made that decision a bit earlier, I think he could have wrapped the ball. But, um, unfortunately, the, the head Norman. clash resulting in Norman going out for that a while. Brutal. Um, but, you know, there were two, two well-constructed tries by the Dragons, so it's not something I'm too really worried about. And, of course... Dufty's one just being a, an absolute freakish try that um, I said it in the chat afterwards. You hate having those tries scored against you because you've got to see it for the next 10 years on, on Every loop. Every highlight reel. Um, and one other thing I wanted to touch on, the, the booing of Corey Norman by the home crowd. I oh. thought that was a bit silly. Um, obviously, Norman had a deal here this year, but both him and Moses had been told to go look elsewhere and we're not going to hold you back if you go find a contract. Um, Norman, you know, whilst you might have an opinion on him and he's up and down and he's inconsistent, um, you can't not say that he put in everything when he was in uh, an Eels jersey, although I guess at times last year you could say that. But <laughs> for the majority of his time at Parramatta, he um, certainly loved the club and loved to do uh, to, to put in during game days. So, um, you know, he'll always be a, a, an, an Eel for that long period of time and I thought it was pretty poor form. Yeah, no, I saw someone try and justify it by saying 
fans were booing with smiles on their faces. But what? <laughs> what? You know, he gave a service to our club. He didn't go to a rival like Penrith or the Dogs or Manly, which then I can understand the boos. He went to the Dragons, who, you know, they're just they're another well-supported Sydney club. I wouldn't exactly call them a rival or anything. Um, he did well. He was in contention for Dally M. At a point there, he helped lead a team to the finals in 2017. You know, I've got, personally, I had no um, problem with Corey leaving or anything. It was, it was disappointing to hear all those boos um, and consistently throughout the game. I, yeah, it, it was disappointing. Yeah, sorry, it's stupid, like, it's, oh, sorry, it's saying it's stupid, like, the club made the decision. It's not like as if he said, "Hey, I'm out of here." Like, you know, those idiots that justify booing—they just, just shut up. You know, cheer. If he, if he kicked the field goal in the 95th minute and gave us a shush symbol, yeah, okay. But he, you know, he loved this club essentially until we told him to get lost. So it's just idiots these days. All right, and just to wrap it up with a couple of stats: fifty percent possession. Uh, we ended up with an 82% completion rate, 32 from 39 sets. Dragons only uh, getting 79, 27 of 34. Um, and that's great return after last week we were sub-70. Um, all run metres outgained them by about 200 metres. Uh, line breaks 5 to 4. Tackle breaks, Dragons won that by 3. Our set distance was 1 metre better. And kick return metres, we beat them by about 60 metres. Average play the ball speed, you'll like this one, Ham. We were 3.52 seconds. The Dragons were 3.28 seconds. So, you know, three, three, almost uh, 0.3 seconds quicker for the Dragons. Um, and then there's not too much else, really. Uh, but for the line dropouts forced, uh, which was 3 to 2. Um, other than that, it was all pretty similar. We made 10 errors to the Dragons, 7. Uh, we conceded six penalties to the Dragons, nine, and, of course, the sin bin against Pereira for that tackle on Moses without the ball. Um, each team having eight interchanges, Dragons with two head injury assessments um, for obvious reasons, given um, Corey Norman having his face uh, smashed in and um, Tyson Frizzell getting that friendly fire poke in the eye, which was not a good look with the, um, yeah, bleeding. All right, does that... Just about sum us up there. Yeah, we're um we're just without the services of Ham for a moment. He's had a technical issue, but yes, that does yeah, wrap up the game. I, I thought his his mic dropped out, but that's yeah. okay. Um, we're gonna hear from uh, our resident over at the Cumberland Throw now. Um, a little bit of an interview. Um, so forty, are you able to bring him? Yeah, in? I'll, I'll page him right now. Oh, are we back? Calling. I'm back. Hey, okay, you're just Too in easy. time for our hotline. Let's see if this works and doesn't butcher all my audio recordings like last time. Hi, mate. Buonasera. How you doing, buddy? Doing very well. Welcome to hey, the podcast. Well, look, I did promise that if uh, your check cleared, <laughs> that I'd come on. <laughs> <laughs> boing, so, boing, boing, boing. I'm, I'm, I'm true, true to my word. It's... Um, you know, I noticed my account was $10 better off. So, well, I assume it was your check. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the Power Podcast, yeah, mate. The, we, the we advertising sort of... money going through, has it? 
Yes. So is yeah, so is that the same charge out rate that Paul Kent um, <laughs> charges to a uh, to a certain uh, player manager to get some stories in the paper? <laughs> oh, you might go a little bit. Can never. Let me provide some legal advice here. You can never confirm or deny those allegations. <laughs> we'll go with that. We'll go with that. All right, Forty. Did you want to start us off with? Um, yeah, well, um, for those that are, are listening and aren't quite sure who is on the line, this is um, 60s, who is one of the co-founders of the Cumberland Fro, alongside myself, Mitch, and Chris. And he is our... Um, it was your site. Well, when it's convenient, it's my site. And when I need a plausible deniability, it's not my site. So that's how it works. You when know? you get a DDoS hack, yeah, it's definitely exactly, not your site. Exactly. Um, you know, yeah. what's, what's this Cumberland Fro you're speaking of? It's it's some um, Mickey Mouse supporter website that um, you know does a little bit of amateur co- um, fan content for the Parramatta Eels. Oh, you might have heard okay. of it. We're, we're kind of a, a really small deal. Um, yeah, but yes, yeah. um, 60s is one of the co-founders and he is our resident guru for all things training, all things behind the scenes at the club. Um, great bloke, well connected and um, uh, you know very well um, spoken and, and versed on all things Parramatta and all things footy. So um, to tee things off, um, we'll, we'll probably go on a more somber note, um, and we'll talk about um, one um, Big D who um, has been in the headlines lately. So fans should have heard of his name. But um, do you want to give us some insight onto the, the man that um, sort of is behind all the news line, all the news stories in um, in Big D? Well, I think it's been appropriate that there's been a lot of tributes to him, a lot of mentions to him in. Uh, the media coverage of uh, Parramatta's first couple of games at the new stadium because he is a big part of the heart of Parramatta. Um, everything that needed to be done around the team, you know, you could rely on Big D uh, to, you know, to do that, to get things done. Um, he's He's been a beloved member of the organisation, both as a volunteer and and working for the club for around 40 years. So um, I think the fact that they have named the dressing sheds when Parramatta are playing at Western Sydney Stadium as the uh, Dennis Anderson sheds is most appropriate. You can see it was very emotional for him uh, when the unveiling uh, occurred. Uh, But I think it's probably just as emotional for everyone else that, you know, to see that he's been honoured in that way. So um, yeah, he's 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 battling um, a significant health problem, and and we all wish him the best. And getting to raise that flag on on last Sunday's game. No, I think there are I think there are uh, quite a few uh, people um, providing a standing ovation uh, for him. Um, I'd I'd like it to be um, as well known as possible the the paras in the tunnel. Uh, cry that uh, Big D would uh, would let out when you know, Parramatta would come out of the sheds. It's it's part of the uh, the signage uh, that honours the the name of the sheds. Paras in the tunnel, and that's the quote from Big D. And I and I think uh, the more people that are familiar with that, um, I think it just adds to the culture of the club. And then something we touched on last time, which. Um as we discussed, and I'm not going to put it on 40, that uh, we lost the audio, unfortunately. <laughs> God, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Um, but uh, the new stadium, uh, your thoughts, of course, of course, at the first match, um, but then also last week where I think it was just under 26,000. Uh, what, what does that mean for the club going forward? 
Well, I think, first of all, you have to talk about the impact on the team, that extra motivation that comes from playing in front of such a, a large and vocal crowd. Yes, they're professional players. Yes, those sorts of things, you know, in the ideal world shouldn't be impacting, but it does. You know, you could see in that very first week the the sound of the the crowd, the impact that it had on Mitch Moses as he was running in for that first try, it just seemed to give him that extra yard or two of pace as, as his legs might have been tiring on such a long run. It just got him home. It's Look, I've described it as being, the atmosphere as being akin to uh, a finals match. I've, I've not experienced whether it was at Cumberland Oval, Parramatta Stadium, I've never experienced an atmosphere like that very first game and then the second half and uh, the weekend just gone. I've never experienced an atmosphere like that. And uh, and I think that means a lot for the club. Obviously, the having uh, the capacity for 3,000 um, corporate part, uh, people involved with corporate partners is that's a whole new level of um, income stream. Was it a, a 200 or 300% increase on the club's prior corporate sales, I think, from last year? So it, it's massive, like an absolute game changer for the club in that regard. Look, anyone that that doesn't understand the importance of that is basically would be a person that would be stuck in the 70s or 80s themselves in, in terms of understanding um, how important corporate partners are to a club. You know, you look at the, the grounds like, um, you know, Shark Park, where they've talked about needing to get, what was it, fourteen or 16,000 there in, in punters to attend a game, to break even, hosting a game. Now, you know, that's – you can go through a season and lose on every home game with those sorts of figures. Uh, when you've got corporate partners and you're able to accommodate corporate partners, you've got a whole different – income stream besides the uh, the paying punters that turn up. Not to say paying punters aren't just, just as important, but, you know, the, the new stadium provides that. Now, fellas, I'm I'm always used to being the one asking questions, so I've got a question <laughs> for you, Here we go. all of you, and, and it relates to the stadium and, and your own experiences. What would be the greatest game in terms of atmosphere – the greatest Parramatta game in terms of atmosphere that you've ever been a part that's, of. That's easy. 09 qualifying final against the Dogs. 100% was going to say that too. Yeah, it's, yeah same. I, I wasn't there for that game at, at, <gasps> at the stadium. Yeah. Shock horror. But I was there in 2001 when we played the Broncos in, I can't remember which week of the finals, and it was just a massive party atmosphere and we we beat them pretty handily. Um, and that that had to be one of my best moments there. Um, at at well, that wasn't Parramatta. I think that was an ANZ Stadium, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at a Parramatta game. But outside of Parramatta games, I'd say um, game two of Origin last year. That was probably the the um, my best uh, sporting experience outside of the Eels. Well, I, I think definitely '09 is right up there uh, for me as well. Uh, Obviously, I rated that very first game at, uh, at Bankwest. But being a, a really old bloke, 
oh, I can't go past the 81 grand final. That's fair. The drought breaker. That, that there was nothing that was quite like being on the SCG hill in Paramount grand finals. And I think the sort of atmosphere that's generated at the new stadium is akin to that because you just have almost, you know, 100% eel supporters, just as it was on the hill back in those days where it was predominantly eel supporters on the hill. You've got stands that are close to predominantly being eel supporters in the stands and the noise generated is just something else. It's hard to disagree. Um, Western Sydney Stadium, I mean, the, the media have, in both games have referred to the atmosphere as something that's akin to a finals game, like a, a very frenzied finals game. So um, you, you talk about the influence a crowd can have and, you know, their professional players and whatnot. They, that, that absolutely has an impact. And like, and like you were saying, it gives them that extra, you know, 10 metres of, of wind to get um, get home for a big break or whatnot. And uh, hopefully... And one of the... Oh, you, you, sorry, you go in. Oh, I was just going to say... Uh, pretty much nothing (laughs) well i was going to say one other thing like over the last couple of years you've heard especially in the media what are clubs doing to get the punters out to to live football with um crowds dwindling and tv audiences increasing um but from everybody i've spoke to the the talk is it's not oh well, it's costing me X amount to get out to the game. It's you have to get out to this stadium regardless of um, what the event is and um, just get out there and watch it um, because being on top of that the, the the ground and especially on on Sunday when the Eels got behind, but then you could feel as soon as you know Reed Marnie scored that try and we were coming back, uh, the crowd just completely lifted and the whole atmosphere inside the stadium changed. And I think that really helped them to spur them back into the to the competition, whereas we saw the week before against Newcastle at a hostile ground where we grinded our way back to being only six points down. Um, obviously, they didn't have that little bit of bolster to get over, which I, I thought that really could have won that game, but didn't take um, it up a step. So if- I... I yeah, it's game changing. If if Reed Money somehow voodoo voodoo dolls his way into the um Queensland Origin team, I'm going to be the most conflicted fan ever. Between being upset that he's not playing for Parramatta and you know happy for a young guy getting uh, getting his sort of early dues, but the, the way it's going, he's playing some good football and the Queensland hookers are falling off every week. So <laughs> I don't know what your opinions are on that sixties, but he might be the last man standing by the time Origin rolls around. Look, he's. He's heading that way. I had a bit of a chat to him after he represented uh, Queensland in the under-20s. And, you know, he related just how amazing the experience was and how even at the at the 20s level, the respect that was given to wearing the Queensland jersey and what it meant for him. And, you know, he said that by the time the game came around, um, you know, like everyone was just ready to... Uh, rip and tear, and of course they uh, were victorious in that uh, in that twenties clash. And I think he's he probably um, you know learned a bit about himself and his a bit more about himself and his abilities, and maybe added to his aspirations after experiencing that. Hey, sixties, uh, it's Birdie here. You've met my dad at training. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the serious one in the pod, just so you know. Okay, so this question is to um, this, this question is to everyone. Actually, we've been to the stadium. I've been I've been to once. You've been there a couple of times. I can't breathe. 
is there something that we could add to the stadium precinct, precinct or like something that you would like to be implemented by the club um, to make it more, say, enjoyable or something <sighs> like, is there something that we're missing or is it just perfect the way it is? Well, I think the obvious thing is cheaper beer, but beyond that. <laughs> the beer still, I haven't partaken, but the beer is reasonably priced compared to some stadiums, isn't it? Or is it not? Oh, well, no, it's reasonable, but, you know, yeah. seven, seven-ish bucks for a, oh, yeah, yeah. a so, mid-strength. Uh, yeah, okay, that could be a dollar or two cheaper. I'll tell you what I wouldn't Oops. mind seeing is um, a proper scoreboard. I know it's only something little and something small, but sort of looking up to the um, the screens each time, a scoreboard would be nice to to have there, maybe even on the LED screens, to sort of set apart a section where you can just have the score and time left so you're not having to look up constantly. That's only something small, though. I, other than that, though, I love the stadium. I, before it opened, I thought, you know, is it going to feel like Parramatta? Is it going to feel sterile? But once you're in there and you've got 20, 22,000 Eels fans, blue and gold flags waving, Eels swimming on the LED screens, um, things outside, people just being happy. Um, yeah, it's I've got nothing wrong with the stadium. I have something that I'd probably like to see, and it's not so much the the stadium, but how the how the date ends. Well, there's actually a couple of things. First of all, um, the players are are interacting a little bit more with the uh, the crowd at the end of the game. Uh, and when you look out across the stadium, you can see various various players being grabbed for media interviews, and uh, as you know, is the course of uh, the end of games nowadays. But I think the the crowd are looking for a way to really um, connect even more with the players these days. And if there was some opportunity that was given for the players as a group to you know quickly as a group go and acknowledge the crowd, um, you know, and then, you know, maybe as individuals, some of them, you know, might enjoy walking around and, you know, shaking a few hands or, you know, saying g'day to a few people, whatever the case may be. But I, I really think there's an opportunity there uh, after being a couple of years away at ANZ where, let's face it, there was a disconnect, a major disconnect oh, yeah. with the supporters there. And, you know, there, there was virtually zero acknowledgement until, you know, towards the end where you get a little bit of acknowledgement on the uh, western side. Uh, but, you know, if you were on the other side of the stadium, uh, there was very little that was, you know, you would connect you to the, the players. So I think it's an ideal ground where you can do that. Um, the other thing is, too, I used to always enjoy the um, after-match function that they used to put on in the auditorium in the club. And there's no venue within the club for that now, but you know, I, I think a the stadium, of times the stadium the season, would have facilities for that now, though, wouldn't it? Well, that's where that's what I'm, I'm sort of getting at. Yeah, like, sniping it. And I, <laughs> yeah, I, look, <laughs> you know, and I don't quite know how they do it because really their facilities for that are in the in the corporate section in the you know the aptly named Cumberland Lounge, um, the Cumberland you know, so, Throw Lounge. The Cumberland Throne Lounge. That's right. Mm-hmm. So um, that's probably <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the only um, area where they could perhaps do it. And you know, maybe it's something that they could make possible a couple of times during the season. But I always thought that that was a 
a good way to end, um, you know, a day at the footy. And oh, I can see that there are logistical problems, however, because, you know, by the time they used to get over into the auditorium, it'd be about an hour and a half after the game had ended. It'd be hard to see them doing that, um, you know, keeping the stadium open in their corporate section yeah, or something like that. But, you know, that's if I was to say, you know, what would be a great thing that they could find a way of doing, you know, probably something like that a couple of times in a season. Any um, any other questions, boys? No, Give me I have one about, oh, um, what sort of, what's the, been the general attitude uh, at training difference between this year and last year, just sort of the morale between players after having winning um, five games rather than winning one game this time of the year? What, what's the sort of, is there much difference there? You know, it's one of those things that's um, really difficult to put a finger on. I would have said that a major difference during the preseason was that um, it was 100% business. There was probably less smiles because there was a lot of grimacing that was going on out on the field <laughs> in the this preseason. But, you know, with someone with someone like, you know, Normie, you'd always get, you know, a bit of joking around and, and what have you happening and... You know, it wasn't that the team didn't work hard because they worked, you know, they got damn the, uh, hard. In, they got the alpha dog, previous... Blake Ferguson, this year, though. Yeah, and it, it just seems to be, it seemed to be that right from the start, they had a, a group of younger ones that were determined to be as fit as uh, Gutho and really drove the physical preparation. And then you had that determination to be, you know, to put last year behind them as much as possible. I honestly felt that there was, you know, a little bit less in the, um, you know, joking around that might have happened in the, you know, when a session was over or even during the session, you know, the few laughs that might have, might have happened. As I said, it was no reflection on the work that was being done, but it just seemed to be that everyone was determined not to waste a moment during that uh, pre-season. Um, since the pre-season has finished, there's, you know, there's, Obviously, after a weekend, you see there's a bit of um, certainly a real uh, positive vibe around the place. You know, blokes that look like they're absolutely loving what they're doing. Um, it, it goes without saying. If you're, you know, six games into a season and you haven't won a game, there's yeah. a bit of tension around <laughs> Just the place. Just a wee bit, you know? yeah. You know, and it to me, it manifested as them trying too hard in the end. You know, like the... They got a little bit clunky last year, but they were trying, like they were busting a gut to be better. Um, it just didn't didn't come together. It just did. It just didn't happen. So, you know, I'd say, yeah, there's the natural positive vibe of, of a winning uh, season at the moment. But I think there was a, I don't know, just a little bit bit of extra uh, seriousness about how they went about their business in the uh, in the preseason. Nice. So, so, so would you say last year they were doing a Darius Boyd? <laughs> I tried. To. Oh <laughs> no! Oh, I think he's yeah. got that. I think he's got that uniquely to oh, himself as as our. That, one, that's going to go down as, as like the, the the voice bite of the year, the sound bite of the year. That was unreal. Now, um, one yeah. one last thing before we go, sixties, um, the coveted sixties three two one from round eight. What do you got? Oh well, and it doesn't have to be players; it can be anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, wild card. Wild card. Uh, look, I'm I'm going to go with the king at uh, at number three. 
you can't go past a bloke who uh, turns the momentum of the game as effectively as he did. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with the uh, BA fist pump up in the coach's <laughs> yep. box. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be one of the gifts of the season for the Eels. That one uh, is, you know, when, when you see a bloke who's not noted for showing too much emotion. Getting pumped uh, up like that. Yeah. Getting pumped up like that. And I'd say uh, the one point goes to um, the leapfrog specialist, by uh, Reed Marnie. <laughs> that, yes, that was a good one. So there's a, I, I'm, there's, there's got to be, I haven't found them yet, but there's got to be some great, there's got to be a great front on photo there somewhere, hasn't there, of his leapfrog? You'd assume there was some end goal um, photographer that got him aborting on the, the celebration with Sevo. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, there you go. There's my three, two, one. Too good, mate. Thanks a lot for coming Lovely. in. Um, and that's uh, the Para Podcaster's um, new resident insider, 60s um, care of um, the Cumberland Faroe. Thanks, mate. We'll catch you soon. And uh, when the next check comes, you can call me again. That's it. <laughs> those um, those frank those franking bonds will be on the way, mate, for as long as they last. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Had fun. See you, champ. See you, 60s. All right, well, back to our usual fare and just a little bit of news. There's not too much floating around um, other than, of course, the Gutherson talk. Um, <laughs> there was there was oh, some yeah. um, some well, gossip column speculation we, we, about... Well, certain... we love Ray Price, but, you know, oh, mate, just, just keep it zipped sometimes, you know. Just be like, like, you, be like your statue and just just stand there, old looking... <laughs> No. He, he's he's bought into the um to the manager hype, and no. then um of course forty was just about to to touch on the yeah. the speculation being that it's not about the price, it's about the length. Oh no no, no. I was deal. I was going to go elsewhere actually. Um, oh, because yeah. there was actually something online. It was on West West Australian something today I saw, um, where they were talking about um. So it says four year fourth year remains sticking point for Eels and Gutherson deal in the WA today. Yeah, three so. sixty were talking about that last night. As far as the the club are somewhat reticent in regards to his two ACL injuries, whereas he wants to push for that financial security because you can know, you can see where both parties are coming from here. Like neither are in the wrong, but it's you know business and it's just getting you know dragged out a little bit. I was going to go. There was like some Sunday gossip column speculation from. Uh, was it Phil Rothfield or just someone in the Daily Telly about the Eels chasing Latrell Mitchell? So that, I think, oh, yeah. That, that sounds like a manager story that, too. That definitely <laughs> sounds like a manager story. There was like, yeah, the, the Parramatta Eels are stalling out negotiations of Quinton Gufferson because they've got a bigger fish to catch. And, you know, it's like, and he's not off contract till the end of next year anyway, I think. So it was just like, what? Yeah, it'd be the end of 2021. Yeah, they, so it'd be twenty twenty two. He comes to us. <laughs> so yeah, that that sounds like some um, early speculative um, managerial work to get his um, juicy upgrade from the Roosters. And then, uh, of course, the the contract figure for Makasivo uh, leaked either yesterday oh. or today. <laughs> um, so you can see where where that's going as well. Yeah, you know, it's it was a good pickup by Parramatta. Just let it just let it be as it is. Yes, he's I, saw, playing I saw it referred to as bricky, bricky labour's wages, but he's almost on eighty thousand dollars, and you know, plus three thousand match, match payments. Yeah. So, so I'm a I'm a a public servant lawyer, and you know that's that's pretty roundabout where I'm at, at these days. So and, um, I don't know what bricky's labour is getting too. eighty grand a year unless they're working, you know, sixty eighty hour weeks. And I, I don't mind players going and get theirs, but. 
you know, it's a two-way street with these contract talks where um, clubs, you know, are guilty of certain things when it comes to taking manager players and, and players and their managers are definitely guilty of some of this other stuff, which what we see with the tactical leaks about, you know, their undervalued contracts and whatnot. It's a frustrating dance, but I don't think there's an easy solution to it. So I'm because not sure. the thing was, three months ago... Make a trade deadline. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> three months ago, Michael was just a, a superstar reserve grade player. He wasn't a, wasn't a known first grade player, wasn't even a known player, probably outside of Parramatta signing him in the Penrith, that those that take interest in the Penrith um, reserve grade and junior system. So, and, you know, and- 72000 for that sort of play is spot on exactly look, where he, he, what she should be making. He will get his as well. If he keeps performing, the club are going to reward him with an upgrade at, at some point exactly. between now and the end it's of his contract. And But the thing is also, the club shouldn't be rushing to sign, re-sign him because well, they should be looking to re-sign him for future and put pump up his money then. But you want to get value out of these players. If you're giving everyone what they what they deserve. The moment that they've stringed together a few good games, then yes, you're going to be in you're not going to, huge you're not cap strife. Be under the salary cap for one, and second of all, you're not going to win the comp because winning the comp comes from those players that you make value out of. Like he made his debut at the age of 25. Like the club took a risk on him, and t- essentially, like put it well, he, he wasn't in my plans. I didn't know who he was. It got to a point where round four, I'm like, I got, I better start learning this guy's name if I'm going to cheer for him. So it's just, <laughs> it's nothing. It's just. We've got a bargain, you know. You know, look at the, the the Roosters how they claim to be under the cap when they sign their players. They're all on rookie year deals, essentially. Like to win a premiership, you have to have a few people on the minimum wage, and it's just unfortunate, you know, whether it's him or someone else. But and for someone to make their debut at twenty five years of age, you know, there's got to be a reason. Well, and if he, and as we're we'll saying, if he keeps up performing at the level he is, he is going to get paid, whether it's by Parramatta or someone else. There is going to be a very very juicy offer on the table at some point next year. And I don't think there's any, uh, not too the, much. The, the Tepai Maroa, no guilt, uh, no contest plea, or <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. So he pleaded guilty to that, uh, which was the the tackle on Corey Norman, which I understood he was in the air, but <laughs> you know it was yeah, it, it was, was around a, the waist. I, I think I thought yeah. I thought penalty was sufficient, but and that's the way it is. And I do worry it wasn't about even it. worthy of a penalty. I, I do worry that down the road this is going to cost Tep another game or a game, the way it cost Reed and Manu games uh, recently in the, like the last season or so, because we, you know, we took the no, the no contest charge on one of the early incidents, which then ended up loading with carryover points to the second incident. But um, unfortunately it is what it is. So he's free to play this week, but he will be, any charge gets him suspended, I think, um, moving forwards. Unless it's a tripping, because trip is that's, dealt with by right, fine A slap on the yeah, wrist. Yeah, not even a send-off or a sin bin, so... Yes, and um, of course, <laughs> I saw some chat about Maker Sivo's hit on Norman. Um, there was nothing late about it. It was just an unfortunate head crash. Yeah, it, it's an unfortunate football injury. Oof. It was brutal, but unfortunate. All right, well, let's jump into the previews. Uh, women's uh, went Wenty Magpies in eighth position, taking on the Bunnies in fourth position. Twelve May, eleven AM at Ringrose. The only game to be played at Ringrose this weekend, so you might be able to get down there on Sunday, uh, Ham, and get your your, your chips. Right. So you might be able to get down to Ringrose on Sunday and get your your chips. I yeah. might be able to. Chip here, all. See what I'm doing. Then there's a couple of global buys. First in the Shield, global buy. Ron Massey Cup, global buy. Um, so, as I said, Dragons, Bo Henry, he's sitting around there, bring him back. Uh, <laughs> Actually. Fleg, 
Panthers in third, taking on the Eels in 11th on the Saturday, the 11th of May at 2pm at Leichhardt. Um, they should have put this this weekend over at Western, at, at our stadium. Yeah, it would have been fantastic. Been. No, but at Leichhardt where, you know, you've got fantastic parking facilities, you've got the best grandstand in the game. I hate Leichhardt. <laughs> I hate it. It's worse. It's the bloody toilets. Um, the sewage drains out. It, it leaks all over the hill and it gets all muddy and stinks. I don't know why they go. It's terrible. But uh, if you're getting out there, there'll be a full day. Is it two days of action, I think, there? Yes. Saturday um, and Sunday. No, the Saturday's at um, Leichhardt. The Sunday's at North Sydney Oval. Can I can I just interrupt some for some unrelated NRL news, which just made me laugh after seeing it. Um, the Eels dodged a, a pretty big bullet, it looks like, because not only has um, Reed Marnie you know gone on to another level in the first um, two months of competition, but the Warriors have dropped Isaac Luke after upgrading his contract. No, don't you see that we were playing 5D uh, chess? We were on another level. <laughs> we, we got the Warriors to sign him to some inflated contract because they tried to poach Dylan Brown off us. That, is, that is like the, the highest level of petty revenge that I've ever seen in the NRL. That is great. <laughs> Sorry. Carry on. Well, what do they call it? The cosmic karma. It's like, yeah, you that, know, um, I'm clearly going back to Penrith after you know, dicking the Tigers and and look at the the Panthers this year. What are they two and two and five or something? Yeah, and they've had a, significant injuries. I think that's a Mark O'Neill dad dicking, <laughs> as we can call it, the Mark O'Neill oh, dad, dad, dad dicking. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, Gould, I'll tell you what, he, say what you want about him. He's a smart operator. Yeah. I jumped ship before. Got off, <laughs> before, got off before it sank. <laughs> she sinks. Um, all right, so. Uh, Canterbury Cup also has a global buy. Aren't you going to so run that... through the Jersey flag team? He's going oh, to... do you want to get through the flag? Oh, yeah. Let me skip it. There's, a, there's, a, there's an interesting name popped there up. Is, there is a big name back in there for sure. Jack Morris is a big, For a big right. man. Did you just say Jack Morris? Yeah. Legend. Jersey flag. Yeah, 23 will smash him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this isn't the under-23's Jersey flag. This is the under-20's Jersey flag. Yeah, but if he's 23 and goes back in the under-20s, so, think of how so, good he'll be. So, Hayes Dunster, is that who we're talking about? A bit, bit, bit further down, mate. Yates. Bit, bit it's further warmer. Up. It's warmer. Porter. <laughs> getting bit real lower. warm. Getting real warm. John Kepi. I want to hear you You're say You're looking it. at the New South Wales Rugby League website, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I want yeah, to hear you say it. He doesn't have the name on there. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> it's uh, Stefano Utoikamanu. My boy. The biggest. Back again, it's going to smash him. And luckily, it's against um, Penrith, who have done really well so far this year. They lost their first game on the weekend against Mounties. And Stefano believe- was there. Um, he was on the sideline. Both him and and uh, and Dylan Brown were obviously teammates uh, coming through the grades, and they were having a good laugh with Nathan Brown um, as well. The uh, hide and arrogance, the arrogance of Dylan Brown. I, I don't know if you saw that Twitter feed, but that was um that was pretty entertaining. <laughs> there, there are some really Haley Burns was like literally just following. like having a good time with Dylan Brown on the sidelines, and some fan chips in of how arrogant Dylan is, and she's like, "What? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> oh god!" But yeah, that that's a huge in for the um the flag. Um, Stefano was obviously a guy that was in outside NRL contention coming into the start of the season before he did his uh, ankle with a, a syndesmosis injury in the final NRL trial against Penrith. 
So he comes automatically into the starting side and um, he, he sort of turns that – he's like the – he'll be the difference maker for that pack. Um, it's a pack of workers and, and some solid players and he's going to be the, the point of difference in the front row. And that now means that they've got, uh, you know, a, a better pack obviously but a really good spine now. And genuine strike in the middle. That's right. And right. You know, if you've got someone around the middle there that Kyle can play a short ball off, hold up the defence um, in the middle, Whoa. that'll definitely help. Joey Kaipari and uh, Bailey there. What's going on? Who's that? Is that Birdie oh. the microphone or Hamish? No, sorry, sorry, that was me. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> ah, um, yeah, having Stefano in the middle definitely hold up the uh, middle defence there. And if he can get a few offloads away, um, you know, you got Jesse Cronin sneaking, um, sniffing around there, Michael Cheer and uh, Kyle Shard should be all looking out for and, that. So, as opposed to the, for the yeah, yeah. Keep me up again, him. As as opposed to the oh, um, sorry, sorry, I went to the gym earlier today, so I went for a run God. this morning at quarter to five. So that's, a big, that's a big boy run. And um, but yeah. as opposed to the um the early rounds where the Eels were vastly undermanned, you now have the returns of Hayes Dunster, Noel Akafalau, Joey Tapari, uh, obviously Stefano this week. Um, David Holse has come up from the SG ball. They didn't put Ethan Parry back down this week. I'm not sure if he, he's nursing an injury or they just want to. They see him purely as a, a Canterbury Cup prospect or higher these days. Uh, and there's no one else eligible to drop back down. Is there hand with the um, CC by? Uh, no, no. But oh, you've already got another, you know, four or five. How old's uh, Stefano again? He is turning nineteen. Nine, turning twenty or turning nineteen this year. Turning. Same age as Dill, turning 19. Yeah, turning 19. So one year younger than Kafusi. That's right. Yeah. So there, there's two really good forward prospects right there for the Eels in Oregon and Stefano. Screw the Broncos. We've got the next big young pack. We, we, we do have a sneaky good young pack coming through. Um, the Broncos, are, and, and for good reason, they've gotten all the, um, the headlines because guys like David Fafita and Payne Haas are outstanding and exceptional talents. Uh, but the, the Eels have sort of flown on the radar of their, their young kids, and that's not a bad thing to let them, you know, develop and come into their own in first grade. And we've got the forward leaders to help them out. Yeah, we exactly. We yeah. haven't got rid of our forwards to the The, the Broncos players. definitely have an issue with um, senior leadership and experience for those young guys. All right, enough about the Broncos, and let's get on to first grade, uh, which we'll see uh, Melbourne taking their home game up to Suncorp Stadium Hooray. for the Magic Round. On Saturday, the 11th of May at 7.35 p.m., uh, we'll quickly go through the team lists, which we'll see um, for the Storm first. Uh, at the back, uh, Jerome Hughes. Uh, wings, Vunavalu, I have to say, that was the... Yeah, that's one of the worst games I've seen from a winger last week against the Sharks. He's had a lot of them in the last year and a half, man. He has been like really ordinary for a while for the Storm. Uh, Josh Adokar on the other wing in the centres. Will Chambers and Marion Seve uh, keeps uh, that. Who's the young bloke from Sharks? That that's sorry, I just heard the background. Sharks. That that was their 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 centre. Drinkwater or Curtis Scott. Curtis Scott. That's they, what got, I mean. they got both from the Sharks, didn't they? Was Drinkwater a Shark? Maybe it wasn't. I can't remember if he was a Tiger or was that his brother. Uh, no, Drinkwater was. Yeah, he was a Sharks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then in the halves, Cameron Munster, Brody Croft. I tell you what, <laughs> Bellamy is going to string Croft up one day. <laughs> the drop-off uh, between, of, of course, having Cronk uh, uh, and Croft, plus they don't really seem to have anybody else who can play halves, uh, except for Billy Walters, which is, of course, 
Kev Walters' son, uh, who's on the extended bench this week. You're but, kidding, aren't you? No, no, he's there. No joke. That's, uh, well, okay. Fair enough. You learn something new every day. Forwards, Jesse yeah. Bromwich and Christian Welch. At the hooker, Cameron Smith. Uh, second row, Felice Kafusi, Kenny Bromwich and Dale Finucan at lock. Uh, on the interchange bench, Brandon Smith, Nelson Asofa, Solomona goes back to the bench instead of starting. That might be a late change. Uh, Tui Kami Kamika, ex-Eel, uh, went to Union and then over to the Storm. And Ryan Pappenhusen, who's played a bit of halves and is notorious for having his ankle snapped. We, we should almost put Greg into the team just because Pappenhusen's there. That's scary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Billy Walters, Patrick Kafusi, Joe Stimson, and Curtis Scott all on the extended bench. Uh, then for us, uh, almost unta- unchanged from last week, except for, uh, of course, Tim Manor the returning Manor. from an ankle injury. Uh, to take Ray Star- uh, sorry Kane Evans' position on the bench. Uh, but we'll run through it quickly. Gutherson at fullback, Sivo and Ferguson on the wings, Jennings, Takarani, Takarangi centres, or Takarangi, as he says. Uh, Cook Islander. Cook Islander. Uh, Jamin Salmon, Mitch Moses in the halves. He is because there's a guy at my work. It's actually his cousin. Um, so... Tells me that yeah, big Cook Islander. Him and Tep uh, have got the highest concentration of like Cook Islanders in the the NRL. Uh huh. Even Marada. Oh yeah, Marada is no Marada's Cook Islanders oh, too. Yeah, Good no. call. You know he is he is Marada. Marada was Cook Islands eligible. I'm pretty certain, but he he's yeah, he also, played for him once. Yeah, yeah. Good call, buddy. And then in the forwards, yeah, we don't just have it on here for your look, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Forwards, Den Alvaro, Junior Paulo, uh, Hooker, Reid Marnie. Second row, Sean Lay, Marana Neocore, and Tep Maroa as the lock. And then the interchange is Penny Terrapo, Tim Matter, Oregon Kafusi, and Manu Ma'u, with the extended bench being Ray Stone, Kane Evans, Will Smith, and George Jennings. Um, expecting pretty much an unchanged lineup, except for possibly if Tim's ankle doesn't hold up, I guess. Yeah, I think Ray I, Stone would probably come in in favour of Kane. If you're, if you're going to play Kane for six minutes, I'd rather have Ray Stone on the bench, yes. Almost almost certainly. Okay, so the Storm seem to have a very good record up at Suncorp Stadium. But of so course, do we, though. I was just about to get to that, Ham. You know, 40 does it and snipes, and, and you're sniping too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're, we're going to we're gonna have a crack. And I was about to say, uh, both teams' records up there really only being against the Broncos. Um, so uh, we usually get a pretty good away fare up there, um, and we'll see how many Eels fans are out there for the uh, extended round. And I note um, our resident Eel uh, PM from Nambucca Heads is going to be up there. Um, but Eels out to $2.80 to Melbourne Storm, $1.44 favourites off that last start lost to the Sharks. And Bellamy saying he was going to – what was the quote? It was, they need to start winning games or otherwise – Yeah, it was something along the lines of he's been, he'd been looking at this team for the last couple of weeks and hasn't been seeing a team that turns up for these games. And if, he can't, if they don't start turning up, he's going to find players that will. It was like an all-time pre- post-match press, uh, press a spray. So we have a horrible knack of, of finding teams – bouncing back off like sort of like season low losses. So it's going to be a, a wild ride on Saturday night because the Storm are going to be coming out like all guns blazing. And and their grand total of losses, so they've lost two games. One was 20-21 to 21 against the Roosters and the other game was 20-18 to 18 against Cronulla. So three only point, three, three points. Three-point loss. Three loss coming, boys. That's what the trend says. 
and then you have a look at Penrith, who are you know all, every everything's going great, but their two wins are on the back of a one point win over the Tigers and a two point win over the Knights, I, I believe Tigers. it was. No, no, it was one point over the Tigers, and then uh, yes, sorry, two, two points over the Knights. Yeah, uh, <laughs> now, funny how other teams measure success. Um, so the goat up against some plotting uh, hooker named Cameron Smith. Um, how do we see this Who? playing out? The goat Reed Marnie up against the plotter Cameron Smith. Was, um, uh, where he was going? It's it. This will be like we talked about the Roosters game being like the early benchmark for us. This is now our sort of early mid-season litmus test. Uh, the Storm, they're, they're, as you're sort of hinting at, with those um, those win loss uh, uh, differentials, they're in a weird spot. They're still obviously one of the sort of top tier teams in the competition, but they're eking out wins and sort of just narrowly losing on by the same token. So it's kind of like uh, they're they're in that sort of um, really volatile range of games where you um, when you're winning by like one score or less, which can you know sort of end up swaying the top four in a season. And they're obviously on the right side of it at the moment. Uh, but they're going to be pumped up. Um, they do play really well at Suncorp. And uh, I'm just trying to think where, where the Eels can win. Uh, sort of, you always hear commentators talk about um, teams needing to play more laterally and aggressively to, in order to disrupt the storm. We're not that bad at that. Uh, but we still need to lay our platform through the middle and, and not necessarily complete at that 80% mark, but just don't give away dumb errors like we did against Newcastle and, and sort of against St. George early on. Yeah, I think if we're going to beat them, um, Junior has to be on his game and sort of provide those short balls around the middle and um, those early offloads to try and get, you know, you make your seven, eight metres and then get an offload away on the back of that. You can make an extra five or six with a retreating defence. Um, yeah, we've got to try and win it there. Um, I think we also need to be wary. We've got, we've of, got to kick to Vunavalu because yeah, he's just—he's has to be the dumbest, most error-ridden play winger since Semi Rodriguez, doesn't he? So he'll be up against Ferguson, unless I'm mixing that up. But I'm pretty sure he plays left edge, and Fergo, of course, on the right edge. I believe, yeah, that that seems right. Does it seem right? Did he? Because he, he when he him and Semi directly played against each other, didn't they, in 2017? I think they've swapped over. But he, he might have swapped. Car with them, that's them, right. It? Yeah. So they might have swapped over. Um, do they, mm. do they, give me th- they don't give me anything on NRL.com. Of course they wouldn't. Why would they? They're just an NRL.com. Let's well, in any event, Maka has got it over him anyway. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You just, I think you just got to try and uh, kick early to him, th- throw up a few uh, midfield bombs. Towards him because you know, as as great as an athlete he is, he just makes so many dumb errors. Uh, so we really need to put pressure on him. Uh, try and get an, some early, early set turnovers, which would be fantastic. Start off in their stat assets over in in their half. Other than that, though, you know, our hardworking forward pack. I think we match up pretty well against the Storm, and we do tend to play up to our opposition. So I think if we if we pre- if we pressure Croft and Munster in the halves while they're kicking, a lot will have to fall on the Smith at the time. So um, yeah, we just gotta just gotta play up to it, and then I think we match up pretty well against the Storm. Yeah, well, I think something we really need to um, 
make sure we've got it right is starting the game well, uh, especially oh, yeah. in our last two performances. We've got behind pretty significantly early on in the piece, uh, and that sort of happened as well if you think back to the Bulldogs game and also uh, the Raiders too. So you look at how many games we're we in, eight, eight games in, and in four of them we've been pretty slow starters. So... Um, Storm seem to be a team. They play really well if they're on top and, and front runners. Uh, so we really need to be the first to put some points on the board and, and use that scoreboard pressure to get over the top of them. And I thought that was something we did really well in that, if you recall back in 2017, uh, the, the the first week of the finals, uh, we did that and really put that scoreboard pressure on and but for some egregious refereeing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Might have got away with that Hashtag game. Hashtag Cam365. Uh, one one thing I think we should be wary of is the the storm going out of their way to neutralize Mitchell Moses, as in they sort of target him as our primary distributor and, and focal point in attack. So I would hope that we have uh, sort of countermeasures with Reed, uh, Jamin, and Quinton Gufferson sort of taking up maybe a bit more slack in the playmaking stakes, and maybe Junior Polo too. Uh, just, and Ferguson too. <laughs> yeah, well, what what Brad? What was the message Brad said to him? This is why I'm paying you the big dollars. Go out and win that game. Um, something to that effect in the, the back end of the Dragons game. And don't let him kick. <laughs> yeah. God, it actually wasn't that bad. It, wasn't it ended that up bad. being okay, that grubber. I, I, but. I, um, I also I loved his reaction when he um he tried the pass back inside the Mitchell Moses from that short kickoff. He was blowing up at himself for um for not quite getting the ball in the right spot, even though we ended up getting the penalty. Uh, yeah, with, with the Storm, you've you got to be careful of not getting – and this goes for the referees too, and unfortunately Henry Panara has got the, um, the head whistle – uh, you got to be careful of not getting sucked into their pace. Um, once they they allow you allow them to pull you into their ruck pace and uh, the way they want to control um, control you defensively, you know, pushing up and and sort of edging up offside, you're you're already behind by you know at least a try. So just you know play play to your strengths. Don't be afraid to use um, you know use the edges, uh, and and but conversely, don't make stupid mistakes. It sort of sounds you know not hypocritical, but difficult to, to balance those two things. But that's what it takes to beat one of the better teams in the competition. So just be perfect. Well, be close to perfect, yes. With Henry Paranara <laughs> officiating and the Storm coming off, you know, the the huge um, toasting that they got by their coach in the, the public, you got to be close to perfect. I'm not going to lie. Uh, let's go predictions, Bertie. Oh, tired, are we, Hamish? Uh, no, it wasn't it, a don't, don't make me start taking a drink. <laughs> oh, no, don't. Take that yeah. out. <laughs> it's going to be a boring game because whoa, our game, our game against the Storm are usually entertaining, man. Put this way, Storm are going to make it a boring game. They're going to if they win six 0 they're going to love that. They they don't care if it's going to be a boring shit game. They're just going to complete set from set from set. It's just going to be four hit ups and a kick. So like, just as you said, forty don't fall into their game plan. Yeah. It's just we have to make it lively. We have to make it like fast paced. So. With that saying, I reckon we'll win nineteen eighteen, and Moses hey. kicked the field goal. First try scorer, I'm going to go with um, Gufferson. That's it. Gufferson, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Easy forgettable. It's so easily forgettable, that one. <laughs> oh, I, we've got King. We've got Guffer, Gufferson, Clint. You know, like uh, Elvis in person. Like, I just... Clintorian. Yeah, just... Oh. Um, Clinturus. Oh. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I haven't yeah, found that one yet. Discovered well, the Clinturus. <laughs> Yeah, it's just I just don't want it to be a boring game, but I can just see look look at the sharks, right? They whenever them two play, they make it always a boring game. It's just a grind and it's like a shit fight. So hopefully, um, 
Yeah, we win. And him, just wanted to let you know I got that joke. Thank you. <laughs> 40. <laughs> this is a, a game that the head is telling me very much that the Storm are going to win. Um, not necessarily like a blowout, but just, you know, coming off the back of that season low um, and, and their coach Bellamy firing them up, that I think they will win. But naturally, it being the Parrot podcast, you got to go with your heart and go off the eel. So Parrot to get up. Um, man, Birdie's prediction of 1918 is actually a really good one. Um, I'll, I'll go and cheat and do the prices right thing and go 20 to 18. Um, just edge him up by one. Um, so, yeah, 20 to 18 to Parramatta. First try scorer. Man, Reed was our first try scorer last week. But um, who have I got? I don't know. Um, how about – wait, is he, I've got to check if he's starting. I can't remember. Is he starting? Let's let's see if no try Tepai can break the drought. Well, I'll tell you what, he's got two gifts from God so far this season <laughs> and he hasn't been able to he's put them <laughs> Third time lucky. That's it. Third time's the charm. Let's go no try Tepai. Him. Oh, God. Um, My bad. That's all good. Um, don't know what you're talking about. First of all, number one, and the reason why we're going to lose, is Henry Perinara is the referee. No, we're not going to even get close. It's true. It's, it's going to be twelve plus, and I this is I think this, I believe this is only the second time that I have tipped against Parramatta in, since I've since we've been doing this podcast. First one was JT's final game, and let's be honest, we were never going to win that. And you know it was pretty easily called before it. This one, we're not going to lose. The Storm come off a loss. He's bagged the players. Um, the rest will be looking. It didn't matter who the rest were going to be. They were going to give the Storm an advantage either way. But the fact that it's Perinara, come on. you got you got to be joking me, mate. you got to be joking me. Um, yeah, 12-plus to the Storm. I don't think we might score a lucky try. We might get one. We might not. And if we do, it'll be Micah Sivo. You've got to be crying now. And I can't. Just, <laughs> Okay, I'm going to cut you off here, Ham. Um, Perinara, I think we can overcome that. I think it's just a slow grinding affair in the middle of the uh, the field. And I like our bench makeup to, to come on and take on the storm, as I touched on earlier. They're, they're, they're really um, coming on and, and lifting the tempo and, and um, really bringing us into those uh, games. Uh, but I think we're going to get up 24-22. Uh, Makasivo, first try scorer. And some breaking news, Maloney has been found not guilty and will be free to play the Tigers in round nine. What a joke. The, that, um, well, well, first, fuck Maloney. But second, that might be um, an interesting topic for ne- next week's podcast is um, sort of ranking where the Parramatta bench sits in the, um, the context of the greater NRL because they've been a real asset for us this year. So I'd, I'd like to go into, into depth in that maybe in the future. Yeah, well, I think just quickly, I think Roosters probably have the the best bench, and plus they've seen a lot of players play some first grade with all their injuries. Uh, but you know, we'd be we'd be having a, a bit of a shout out um, in in that regard as top five benches, um, even though they're probably not well known players right. outside of outside of our, our system. Um, all right, well, let's get to plugs, Birdie. Yeah, Twitter's um, Bevan Heaven One. Um... Oh, well, nothing's happened really. It's just the same old, same old. Like, my teams keep losing except for, uh, every week. I think the majority of my teams lose. So, Swans lost, Tars lost, Loser. Uh, Tottenham lost, and it's fitting that Parramatta won. But, um, yeah, nothing happened. Oh, I got blocked actually by some stupid idiot on Twitter. There you go. Fire up, Birdie. 
Oh, she just this was she, she obviously this, I'm not going to talk shit about this girl like what her looks, but she blocks me after responding to me saying have a sook. Like, come on, if you're going to talk shit, at least don't block. Let me have a at least have, let me have the right to rebuttal so I can end your life on oh, Twitter essentially. So I'm about to end just, this whole man's career. It's Talk just get oh, blocked. That's like that's like a Ben Cray move. You push and just run away. So, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so Trisha, you added to the list with that Tigers stupid idiot that's on Twitter too, Georgina, whatever her name is, Georgina Parker, maybe. But yeah, um, as if you don't know, you write it down, mate. <laughs> it goes into you, the little black got, book. You've got it written it's, down. It's absolutely. in the little black book, and it's a, it's a what's it called? Like a life sin. Now he's going to be. You, you you go to sleep with it under your pillow. He, so you he stamps that with his blood. Yeah. You just you just you just, oh, you just hate them all. There, the there is a know. blood debt to be paid for these people. I will say I have written Georgina in a Posca, so there you go. <laughs> you write her on the. I know. I won't say. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. All right. All right. 40. Plug-a-dub-dub. Dub. Um, you might have heard me, um, you know, very uh, carefully plugging the um, Cumberland Fro earlier when 60s was on. Um, obviously, myself. Unashamedly. Unashamedly. Um, sometimes sole, sole creator, sometimes co-founder. Um, I'm 4020 of said site, uh, the Cumberland Fro. You can catch us at uh, EelsTCT on Twitter. And our website is thecumberlandfro.com in case you miss it the first 10 times. Um, always got lots of cool content, uh, pre uh, previews, reviews, and um, stats and opinion pieces. So yeah, jump on and um, don't be afraid to to comment. Oh, and hey. the NFL draft was really fun. I don't know if you guys want to talk about that, but NFL draft was we really did last week. You weren't fun. here. Oh, I'm sorry. NFL draft was really fun. Next up, the Jets. The Jets. The, the New York Football Jets. J E T S Jets. Um, Ham, give us what's going on in your life, please. Oh, well, exact opposite of Bernie. My team's keep winning, which is West Ham, Parramatta, Jersey Flag, Parramatta, Canterbury Cup, and Parramatta First Grade, so... Wait, you support the Eels? What? But, ah, oh, surprising, isn't it? Oh, never, never um, you wouldn't You wouldn't guess, especially <laughs> by looking at my car, that I support Parramatta. Um, yeah, a bit, bit depressed at... Perinara, it's our <laughs> It's taking, uh, it's taking the wind out of his sails. That's my plug for the no, my plug for the week, and I was going to plug it last week, but I completely forgot. Um, Gels Marble Runs, yes. The Marble oh, you have to watch this. Up. It's so good. It is. You know, if you've if you're sick and tired of Andrew Voss commentating, you need to go on to watch the Marble Olympics because that is the best commentary of any sport you awesome, see across. Awesome the production world. value, and like. Yeah, it is. It is literally like the dumbest, funnest thing on the internet. It, just go watch it. There are so many videos to watch as well. Yeah, and twenty nineteen Marble Olympics is up at the moment. They've just had the five meter sprint. And spoilers for anyone that hasn't watched <gasps> or is going to watch it. Close your ears right now. I'll give you two seconds. But go Oceanics, even though we're coming down near the bottom. <laughs> it's not a good year for not a good Marble Olympics for the Oceanics. So, disappointing. Yeah, that's me. Then for me, end game on Saturday. Won't spoil it, but what 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 a what a final to that. I actually I actually went. Films. I actually went. I'm not a big Marvel fan, but I went, and there were spoilers all through. I went to the cinemas, and they spoiled the whole movie throughout the whole thing. Like people in the cinema? No, just I went and sat down in the seat. I paid my ticket, and. Minute by minute, there was another spoiler after spoiler after spoiler. Ah, oh, 
that that's the process of watching a movie, isn't it? Like <laughs> that that's worse than forty jokes. Um, <laughs> that takes a special yeah. yeah. Okay. Um there's a special then, place up, special up place in hell reserved for you, Ham. Up to date on Game of Thrones and of course the big uh, con- controversy out of uh, this week's uh, episode was uh, the Starbucks cop uh, unfortunately left on a table. The, you know, the big controversy. It's not like the, the show is about dragons and battling the, the undead. The big controversy out of this week was logistically how they got from Winterfell to King's Landing and Dragonstone in a matter of days, and then why Cersei didn't kill everyone that she hated when they were fifty meters away from her in front of the the pound the, the parapets. So the, the Starbucks well, cup is nothing compared to the character inconsistencies. Well, I, th- I think that travel has been an issue since last season and it's been an issue since they've gone from their own tip sheet as opposed to yeah. having uh, Martin's, the, the Martin's resources to draw upon, I know, yeah. They're good, they're good um, directors, bad writers. Yeah, so it's it's just it's, – it's part of those things. It's made for TV. I think yeah. you sort of got to just I'm, – uh, I'm just in it for the ride to finish now, so. That's exactly it. You've been there for how many hours? Ten, like nearly 10 years now. Like Arya literally went from being 12 – to like 22 out of character, which is why it was so weird seeing that scene in episode two of this season. So Yeah, it is a bit confronting. Yeah, <laughs> it was su- <laughs> super weird. Like, what? Anyway. It's like your little sister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then hit me up if you want to play some Apex. Uh, I've been killing it lately. Um, you know, getting a couple of wins on the board. Uh, usually cracking about th- rumor, uh, six or seven wins. Rumor has it there uh, might actually be some cool games like Fibbage and and uh, uh, Drawful and um, Quiplash, which cool people play, so you can also join us for that. Yeah, Fibbage is good. And I have a confession. I missed out on the Discord uh, watching party yeah, for the Yeah, that was, that was good game. fun. So, that, yeah. That was good fun. Well, I'm think I'm thinking at some point we might do. I think we talked about it earlier. Podcast a game watch. review, um, yeah. and we can sort of watch it together and do a bit of commentary on it as well. Um, but we'll just, of course, we're only going to do it for a win. So <laughs> <laughs> you might not get one next week. <laughs> uh, what are you talking about, Ham? Well, you Jeez. never know. We might have one next week. I'm going to end us here because you've got way too negative. <laughs> um, I'll take us away. <laughs> All right. So uh, thanks for listening again. And um, you'll catch us on the next Para podcast, hopefully again reviewing another Eels win. Cheers. Here you go. See you, later. See you, fellas. Later. Play of the game. Plays the ball. It's gone to Gets an awkward one away, and it's gone down to Gutherson. Running over towards Sebo. And Sebo's got Jennings outside him still. Sebo's through. Sebo's gone inside the 40. He's still got Jennings with him. Will he use Jennings? He doesn't have to use Jennings. I'll do this my way. And 